Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday worship service of the Bronx region of the New York City Church of Christ. We're glad you're able to join us this morning, and we hope that this will be an inspiring and encouraging time of worship for you. We've been studying out the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and today we're going to focus on the fruit of kindness. And so I want to just jump right into it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the fruit of kindness. It says, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So you may ask, why are we studying out the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're studying out so we can, in ourselves, become more productive for God. We want to look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, find the ways that we can grow, so we can be better Christians for God. This is why we're doing it. You say, okay, well, how do I produce this fruit within me? Well, first of all, we've got to love the fruit of the Holy Spirit and appreciate it. If we don't love it and appreciate it, we won't do it. We should do this not because God commands it. Yeah, that's a good reason, but because we love it also. And that's why you, you do it unsolicited. It becomes a part of who you are. So in order to love it and appreciate it, we have to study it. We have to talk about it. We have to define it. This is why it's so important for us to study out the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be broken up into three different groups. The first group is the inward group. That's where love, joy, peace comes from. It's an inward fruit within us. Then we have the outward fruit, patience, kindness, goodness. These are things that are outwardly visible. Then we have the Godward fruit, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is inward-focused fruit, outward-focused fruit, Godward-focused fruit. Now, this is so important today as we study out kindness because you think of kindness and it's like, that's just an ordinary thing. But kindness is so important. This is something that we all want to receive, but not everybody is quick to give. Kindness seems to be, you know, just an ordinary thing. But when you really start to think about kindness, kindness is remarkable and inspiring. In the New Testament, kindness is most frequently used to describe God and the way he deals with us. So as you look in the New Testament and you see kindness, it's usually talking about how God deals with us. Now, the fruit of kindness can change not only our lives, but the lives of people around us. You know, when I think personally about kindness, I think about, you know, Mr. Rogers. Some of you guys may remember the Mr. Rogers uh, in my neighborhood show, but some may remember Eddie Murphy doing a little skit on SNL about Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. But Mr. Rogers, he was such a kind person. And I heard a story about him, a true story. It says a year or two before Fred Rogers' death, someone in Philadelphia, where he lived, stole his car. The news media told about the story. And next thing you know, it was on all the local channels around. Thousands of Philadelphian citizens saw the story including the thief himself, the person who stole the car. 
And the criminal had dealt with his own share of difficulties in his life. But he knew that when he was at low points in his life, Fred Rogers shared some things that was a positive influence on him. Within 48 hours, the car was back in the same spot that it was stolen from, along with the note saying, if we'd only known it was yours, we would never have taken it. Now, I say this not that the thieves were kind, but because of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and his kindness over the years, it impacted even someone who lived a life of crime and decided to turn the car back in because they know the kind of man they stole it from. You know, the theologian William Barclay once said, more people have been brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than by all the theological arguments around the world. I wonder how many lives have been changed by someone who showed the fruit of kindness. Maybe they just invited you to a, a meal for their Bible talk. Maybe they helped you get a ride somewhere. Someone showing kindness to someone ended up bringing them to church, exposing them to God and the kingdom, and help converting someone to the Lord for eternity. Today we're going to talk about the fruit of kindness. And so we're going to look at it and see why is it so powerful and why is it so life-changing? Because kindness isn't just an ordinary thing, it's an impacting thing. So first of all, let's do this. Let's define what kindness is. See, when you think of the word kindness, what comes to mind? I mean, do you think of like a, a grandmother uh, baking some cookies and, and bringing some cookies to you? Oh, that's my grandma. That's my auntie. Someone that's just a kind spirit. Kindness can be defined as the practice of being or the capability to be sympathetic and compassionate. But kindness is, is more than just compassion because the very nature of exhibiting kindness to another person makes that person feel a sense of worth, a sense of usefulness. By exhibiting kindness to another person, we are affirming their worth as a person. We're telling them, you are important to me. This definition of kindness, showing people that they are important, is shown in the life of Jesus. Look over in the Bible, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, at first glance, you may say, well, why, why use that scripture? Because it doesn't even have the word kindness in it. But if you look at verse 30, where it says easy, that same word easy is taken from the same word that means kindness in the Greek. This is why it's so important for us to understand kindness, because it's more than just what we may have grown up with thinking somebody is nice because they baked something for us. The idea that Jesus is expressing here is that his yoke will not chafe nor be an irritation to you. Take on my yoke. It won't burn you. It won't scar you. It won't scrape you. It's easy. It's kind. My yoke is kind. 
When Jesus calls those who are weary and are burdened to him, he's saying, listen, I want to take this on because you are important to me. See, when you feel weary, when you feel burdened, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like I don't know if God really loves me, we need to look at the scripture and understand he's saying, yes, I love you. Take on my yoke because you're important to me. I want to take care of you. I want to help you. Again, remember what Jesus said to the little children. Luke chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. It says people were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You know, the children were important to Jesus. And by him doing that, by him showing them that kindness, they felt that they were important to Jesus. When Jesus allowed these little kids, I mean, all the adults, all the teachers, everybody were amazed at Jesus. But Jesus took time to focus on the little kids. That made them feel so much self-worth. And see, whether you're old or young, rich or poor, whatever, Jesus' kindness towards you tells you you are important to him. And he shows us that. We have so much self-worth. Jesus is telling us you have so much self-worth. And he tells us that through the kindness that he showed. Now, we've talked about that. Now let's look at how Jesus exhibited kindness even more. Okay, how do we define it? We define it in, in, in a way that is a little bit more than compassion. It's not just emotion. It's how we make people feel. But yet, at the same time, let's take a look at Jesus and how he went even deeper into it. Because we've spoken of a couple of things, but let's look a little further. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Now, in doing this, I want to point out several different things that Jesus did. He shows us, talks about it. The Bible talks about it, how Jesus feels to help us understand kindness. The first one is this in Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. The first thing we need to understand is that Jesus understands my weaknesses. Jesus understands every single one of our weaknesses. He knows why we're weak. Now, Jesus does. He has compassion on us. But yet, Jesus understands the weakness. Now, because he can understand our weaknesses, now he's able to be kind to us. He's gone through the same struggle we've gone through. Financially, health-wise, relationship-wise. I mean, every, every area you've struggled in, Jesus has also had that temptation. Yet he didn't sin, but he still had the temptation. See, we can be tempted without sinning. Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin. And because of that, he says, I understand what you're going through. You know, when you understand somebody, it's a whole lot easier to be kind to them. 
Let me give you an example. My daughter, Grace, um, I was so frustrated so many times with her because I just felt like she's not listening to me. She's not paying attention to me. She is not following my direction that I'm giving her in life. Come to find out, our daughter was deaf. And I'm like, she can't even hear. Why am I so upset when she can't hear even the direction I'm giving? Even now, uh, she has cochlear implants, but yet she still doesn't connect all the time with the direction that's given. And sometimes I'm like, don't you hear me talking to you? And then it's like, wait a minute, she's deaf. Maybe she really didn't hear what I said. See, I was able to be more kind and compassionate because I understood what she was going through. When you start to understand people, it's so much easier to be kind with them. So first thing we understand is that Jesus understands our weaknesses. And secondly, Jesus tells me the truth. This is another way to show kindness. Jesus tells me the truth. Look at John 8, verse 31 and 32. John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Telling the truth in love is a part of being kind. Think about it. Jesus came down. He became man. He could have just watered everything down just so everybody would like him, so he could be popular. But that's not what he did. He told the truth. Not everybody liked the truth, but he still told the truth. We cannot water down the truth. We have to speak the truth in love. What do I mean when I say in love? Well, your tone. We don't have to say, well, I'm just telling you this because you need to hear the truth. We need to have a loving spirit about telling the truth. But we can't be afraid to challenge people. We can't be afraid that somebody's going to get upset so we don't say the truth. We water it down to make them feel good. That's not helping anyone. We have to speak the truth in love. That's a part of being kind. If we're not speaking the truth to people, we're not being like Jesus to people. It's just that simple. Jesus was the truth. And if we're not going to be truthful, then we're not being like Jesus. So first of all, Jesus understands my weaknesses. Secondly, Jesus tells me the truth. And then thirdly, Jesus forgives my sins. This is another form of kindness, forgiving sins. Look in Romans 3, verse 23 and 24. Romans 3, 23 and 24. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You know, it's hard to be kind to those to whom we don't forgive. Now, you got to hear me on that. If you have an attitude, a grudge against somebody, it's hard to be kind to them. It's hard to be kind to anybody that we don't forgive. See, Jesus found us and said, we're worth saving. He saved us from our sins. If we cannot forgive someone, we're less likely to treat them with kindness. So you think about it. If you have any kind of ill will, you say, well, I don't hate them. 
I didn't say you did. The question is, if we don't fully forgive from our hearts, if we don't really love them, we will not be able to be kind the way the fruit of the spirit wants us to be. Jesus knows our weaknesses. Jesus tells us the truth. Jesus forgives our sins. And then fourthly, Jesus affirms our worth. Psalm 139, verse 15 through 17. Psalm 139, verse 15 through 17. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days adorned for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts. Oh, God, how vast is the sum of them? You know, by dying on the cross, by that very fact, Jesus showed us extreme kindness. See, it doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. It doesn't even matter sometimes what we think about ourselves. But the fact that Jesus died on the cross tells you, tells me, he thinks you were worth it. I'm going to die on this cross because you are worth it. You're worth me dying for you. You're worth me getting beat. You're worth me getting spit on. You're worth me getting flogged. You are worth it. This is what Jesus said. How kind is that? He said, I know you're so worth it that I'm going to die on the cross for you. None of us should ever doubt our self-worth because every time we look to the cross, we can see the kindness of Jesus Christ. People need to know this. People need to know that they're valuable to God. You need to hear it over and over again. I need to hear it. We are valuable to God. And God showed it by letting his son Jesus die on the cross for us. You know, we looked at what is kindness. We looked at how Jesus showed kindness. Now, thirdly, as we wrap it up, I want to talk about how can we grow in an attitude of kindness? How can I grow in my attitude of being kind? Now, I hope that uh, we've gained some insight into kindness as seeing what Jesus has done for us. But here's a few practical things to help us learn how we can grow in our attitude of kindness. Number one, be aware of what kindness can do for other people. Sometimes we are oblivious to even realizing what kindness can do for other people. See, exhibiting kindness to others can have a life changing effect. Now, sometimes we want to do things for people who can repay us back in return. We'd be nice to our boss so we get a promotion. We're nice to the neighbor. We'll buy something from their kids so that when time for my son or daughter to sell something, they can buy something back. Here's a Christmas gift. Now, you owe me one. We start to think and to say things like that. We start to do things because we want something back in return or we at least think they can give us something back in return. But look at what God says about that. Luke chapter 14, verse 14. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. 
God says to give to those who cannot give back. He said, hey, if we're going to do this, then we need to give to everybody. Whether they can give you something back or not is not the issue. We need to be willing to give to others, to show kindness. Again, we have to understand our kindness towards people can have a life-changing impact on them and even on us. Secondly, be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing to be inconvenienced. What do I mean? Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. Let's talk about the Good Samaritan real quick. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra any for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See, so many times we don't show kindness because we're not willing to go through the trouble of getting involved. If I got to go do that, then I, you know what? I got things to do. I got so much going on. I just don't have time. See, when the Samaritan saw the injured man, not only did he have compassion, but he acted upon the man's injuries for his own benefit. He helped the man who was injured because he said, I need to show kindness. He spent not just his time, but his money to make sure that the injured man would receive the care that he needed. And he said, if anything else comes up, I will pay you for that also. Now, fortunately, again, we have a tendency to be kind based on what we can get in return. And we often do that in ways that we don't even see. We don't purposely, consciously think about it. But again, we do it in ways that we don't even see. Sometimes we engage in an act of kindness because we want to create a sense of obligation. Again, this is something that we have to make sure we're not doing. Have you ever done that, though? You know, you owe me for that one, brother. Okay, sister, you, I will do it now, but I'm going to remember that. I'm going to write that down. See, we do things like that, but we need to have the heart. You know what? I'm going to be kind because Jesus was kind. I'm going to be kind and not think about what do I get in return for this, but how does this help the other person? You know, sometimes we fail to engage in acts of kindness because the other person is in no position to reciprocate. But genuine kindness requires us to reach out to those who are helpless, even when we know we won't get anything back in return. The Good Samaritan went out of his way to help a person in 
need. We must be willing to allow ourselves to be inconvenienced if we're going to show kindness. Now, again, we're talking about the fruit of kindness. So the kindness is already in there. We became Christians. It's in there. The fruit is in there, but yet it's got to grow. We got to do what we can to help it grow even more. That's what fruit does. The seed is planted, but then it grows. So even if you're a kind person now, we have to think, is my kindness spreading to other people? Are my kids being kind because they see me being kind? Is my partner being kind because they see me being kind? What is it? Are we being what Jesus wants us to be? And then thirdly, remember that God has shown you kindness. Again, this is important. How can we grow in our kindness? We got to remember God showed us kindness. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Once again, we see that God's kindness is inseparable from his mercy and grace. It just goes together. His kindness is a part of mercy and grace. It's like all merged together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Kindness, mercy, grace. It's just all merged together. Now here's something we got to think about. God didn't wait for us to respond positively before he extended his kindness to us. Even while we were still sinners, he showed this kind of kindness. As a body of Christ, this is how we need to be. We need to help people that are hurting, not to get something back in return, but because we need to help them see they're worth it, they're valuable. It's important for us to do this for not just our sake, but for their sake as well. Jesus never waited until someone did something that deserved kindness before he acted. He acted before they did anything. Obviously, the greatest example of kindness was his death on the cross. Again, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an act of kindness. God showed us kindness before we even desired to get to know him. He did this before we even had a thought of wanting to be in a relationship with him. Romans 2, verse 4. I'm going to close out with this scripture. Romans 2, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Why is God so kind to us? Because he wants us to change. He wants us to repent. He wants us to live a life just like his son Jesus lived on earth, to the best of our ability. Here's what we see God's kindness exhibited in, his patience. And if God was this patient with us before we had a relationship with him, this just shows us how we should be patient now with our brothers and sisters and with people who are desiring, seeking a relationship with God. So, 
there's a few things that we've learned today. There's a lot. I, I know I put a lot out there, but I wanted us to really start thinking about these things. What is it that we got out of this? Number one, you never know how kindness can change the life of a person. You never know. So let's just continue to be as kind as we can to as many people as we can, because you don't know how that's going to change their life, their marriage, their kids, and how much further it's going to go. When I was converted in college, my roommate was Sean Wooten. Here we are in Lawrence, Kansas. What happened a few months later, he gets up, moves, and goes to Russia. This boy from Lawrence, Kansas, leading churches in Russia, learned the language, married a Russian woman, and is over there for the past 25 plus years. Who would think somebody sharing their faith with a little boy in Kansas or turn out to lead all the churches over in Russia. You don't know how your kindness will change a person's life. And we also got to understand Jesus understands our weaknesses. We don't need to be insecure about that. We need to actually be excited about that. He understands what you're going through. He can relate. So he shows us kindness. Brothers and sisters, friends, I hope this has helped you today and becoming a more kind person. God put that fruit in us so we can grow that fruit to become the kind men, women, teenagers that he wants us to be. You never know how your kindness will change a person's life. I love you. I hope this has encouraged you. And to God be the glory.